Hey friends, well so far in Galatians 3, the Apostle Paul has been making this argument how the law is not a, really a viable option for attaining righteousness or attaining acceptance or, or fellowship or, or relationship with God. Even if it were possible that we could grow to keep the law, it wouldn't cancel out our past sins. It wouldn't buy us forgiveness. All right? All right? So before we finish up chapter 3, I want to backtrack to last week, or last session rather, <laughs> and uh, at least touch on something I mentioned, but I really didn't include in our focus. Um, let's see, chapter 3, verses 19 and 20. Why then the law? It was added because of transgressions, until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made. And it was put in place through angels by an intermediary. Now an intermediary implies more than one, but God is one. So I had said we might talk about Paul's mentioning the angels part in securing the law in, in place. And we'll talk about the mediary also. Um, well, there's two other verses I found in the New Testament that refer to the angels in this regard. Let's take a look at them. Acts 7.53 You who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. So here we have the same three elements um, in the Galatian passages. The law and how it was delivered by angels and man's transgression. And not keeping it. And there's another verse, Hebrews 2 2. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such as a great salvation? So the, the Hebrew passage seems to substitute the word message for law, but but it includes the, the other two things as well, declared by angels and, and man's transgressions. All, all three verses, they appear to refer back to when Moses received the law from God. But where exactly is this found in the Old Testament? Is there an account um, of the angels delivering the law or declaring it or putting it in place by an intermediary? Um, honestly, I found a few possible connections. The commentaries I looked at seemed to, to be theories where they focused on a verse or verses in the Old Testament and they didn't seem to be even as clear as the New Testament passages that we looked at. So I chose not to look at, at those references uh, today. As I commented in the last session, uh, the Galatians text has a, a judicial legal feel which it includes participants that give a kind of courtroom uh, legitimacy to, to the giving of the law. I, I think a great part of the importance of these references of the angels is their participation as a part of the law's confirmation in some way. Not 100% clear in the scripture, at least that I have found yet. But that's okay. I think there is still much to be gained from 
this passage, and I'll come back to the angel's participation in just a minute. As I read verses 19 and 20 again, notice the intermediary that it mentions. It's a go-between, all right? So Galatians 3.19, beginning there, Why then the law? It was added because of transgression until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made. And it was put in place through angels by an intermediary. Now, an intermediary implies more than one, but God is one. And so we know that God is one, right? But he's also three in one, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I personally think that this intermediary, this peacemaker between man with his transgressions and his relationship with a holy God. I think this one who installed the law as a guide and a guardian, and and as the scripture says, did it through angels until the offspring would come. That was the same offspring, and that is God the Son. Jesus Christ. First Timothy 2.5 says, For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and man, the man, Jesus Christ. So again, back to the angels part, there are a number of conjectures that people have made for scripture references to them. Um, but to me, none of them seem really all that clear. Uh, I did find one that I really like in Deuteronomy that places the angels there on Mount Sinai with Moses and and law also. Let me read some of that starting in Deuteronomy 33.1. This is the blessing with which Moses, the man of God, blessed the people of Israel before his death. He said, the Lord came from Sinai and dawned from Seir upon us. He shone forth from Mount Paran. He came from the ten thousands of holy ones, with flaming fire at his right hand. Yes, he loved his people. All his holy ones were in his hand. So they followed in your steps, receiving direction from you. When Moses commanded us a law as a possession for the assembly of Jacob, thus the Lord became king in Jeshurun, when the heads of the people were gathered, all the tribes of Israel together. So it seems to me that this is referring back to God giving Moses the law on Mount Sinai. Uh, it says how God loves his people and, and he gave them direction, which I think is the law. And, and we can see the connection to 10,000s of holy ones, which I take are, are angels. So, so this is one of the Old Testament texts. I believe the Galatians uh, verses and other New, Te- New Testament verses point to. All right, uh, this is interesting to me at least because as I write this today, uh, I'm really recording it quite a bit later, but today it is Christmas as I'm writing this and I'm reminded of how the angels delivered the law of the spirit of life to the shepherds. When Jesus was born. I think that's amazing. I think there's a connection there. It doesn't seem like a coincidence. The declaration of the arrival of the new covenant, it syncs with the giving of the Old Testament covenant to Moses. And yes, in Romans 8-2, Paul calls it the law of the spirit of life. What is that? 
It's the good news of great joy. It's the gospel. Romans 8, 2, For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Uh, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, the Bible says. And, and this coming of the offspring has released us from the guardian of the law. And what part did the angels play in proclaiming Jesus? Luke 2.10 And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. There was a multitude. That goes back to the, the, the passage we just read in the Old Testament. The law of the spirit of life or the gospel is how Jesus came to live this perfect life in our stead, because none of us do, so that he might give his righteousness uh, to us and take our sin upon himself. It's all about his righteousness to the law and not our own. Even as the Holy Spirit works in us, it's his righteousness um, at work, even now, not our own. And that's what Paul's been reminding the Galatians of in the first three chapters. So the angels did play a part in the giving of the law in the Old Testament, as well as the law of the spirit of life in the New Testament. And uh, this has just been a little reprise, a little insert. Um, we will just maybe basically to kind of backtrack and clear up a little bit at least, uh, let us kind of focus in on on the angel's part and the giving the law that, that Paul referred to in the last session that we really didn't have time to, to really focus on that much. And um, that will be it for today. And let's pray. Father God, you are awesome. Thank you for all you do. Thank you for the gospel, the spirit, the law of the spirit of life that sets us free from the law of sin and death, Father. Thank you for the new covenant. Thank you for the promise of the Messiah who came and, and did live uh, the, the righteous life that we do not live in our stead. And he imputes his righteousness to all who believe. He died on the cross to, and was paid the wages of our sin. And he rose from the grave. And he gives us the power of the resurrection to walk in newness of life and will raise us up to be with him one day, incorruptible, to be where we're in the presence, in his presence, where there is fullness of joy forever. Thank you, Father. We love you so much. In Jesus' name.